Hello, and thank you for joining us today on another episode of Doctors Without Bar Tabs. I'm your host, Nathan Bowman. They say that all of the greatest journalists never ask a question that they don't already know the answer to. Joke's on them, because I'm not a great journalist, and I know none of the answers. My guest today is Alessandro Salvino, a nurse currently working at St. Paul's Hospital in the heart of downtown Vancouver. He studied at the University of British Columbia, where he received his Bachelor's of Nursing in 2019. I'm sure that when he started, he had lofty ambitions about saving lives, but probably didn't take into account all the stupid shit that people do to themselves to wind up in the ER. I know I've been there a few times myself on some very avoidable, self-inflicted injuries. What were they? Well, I'll just leave that to your imagination. If there's anyone in the world who deserves a nice drink, it's the nurses. They are local heroes who put in insane hours at times, and for a pretty thankless job. This brings me to the cocktail of the episode, the Whiskey Sour. Sours are classic drinks dating back basically as far back as cocktails even existed. Back when drinks were referred to as cooling cups. The first Whiskey Sour on record is... 1862 and it was enjoyed by sailors although there were similar drinks that go much further back apparently sours were actually designed as a way to fend off scurvy now people drink them to let you know that they're better than you for today's cocktail i will be using two ounces of the prospector rye from odd society spirits 0.75 ounces of citrus some egg white and 0.25 ounces of the simple syrup. Dry, then wet shaken. Which basically just means shake without ice, then shake again with ice. Strain it into a coupe glass. Add some drops of Angostura bitter for a taste and garnish. If you want to see how to make one yourself, check out my Instagram, newdoc.me, or TikTok, newdocnate. You too can impress your guests with easy to make tasty cocktails. I'd like to thank Palm Street Studios for lending their space to me. And now, after hyping up nurses, it's time to bring on my guest, Alessandro. Ale, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, all right. You're the first person I had who's a nurse, so this is going to be very exciting to get to talk to you. Lots of pressure, lots of fun, I think. Yeah, you're also the third person on the show, so (laughs) I think I'll be saying that to a lot of people yeah, <laughs> for quite some time. But yeah, why don't you just give a short little introduction about yourself to the audience, maybe provide a summary of your work and uh, your area of focus in nursing. Sure. So my name's Alessandro. I'm, as Nathan introduced me, I work at St. Paul's Hospital here in Vancouver. I'm born and raised in Vancouver myself. So currently I'm working in the ICU, the intensive care over there. I have a little bit of somewhat varied experience. I've been in general medicine for a couple years prior to this. That's just like our hospital word for catch-all term. When you're in the hospital, we get a little bit of everything. I've worked start of COVID pandemic in the in a long-term care, working with elderly care home, COVID outbreak type stuff. And I've also worked a little bit in the US in Texas on a three-month travel assignment, also in general medicine. And now I'm here past few months been back in back home in Vancouver working in the ICU so that's where we're at now yeah what what made you shift from just general medicine to working in the ICU a couple of things i think is something i always wanted to do when you're when you're younger and you watch the movies and whatever else and you see these crazy nurse stories fun stuff on gray's anatomy and every movie and all this stuff it's always more what you would picture an ICU setting as being. Obviously, in the reality, it's not the movies. It's some ways is better, some ways is worse, but it's not the movies. But I think that's kind of always what I wanted to do. And I like an opportunity just to see more stuff, learn more stuff, and hopefully have some better stories to share is really what it comes down to, honestly. Yeah, it's nice to work in a place where I'm encouraged to learn more and supported to learn more wherever as well. So this is... uh, Going from medicine to the ICU is a bit of a step up in that sense, in that you're expected to know more, but also provided with more information. Okay, so it's 
actually sounds like a pretty logical step to go f the way that you went. I think so. I could make up a more funny story if you want. I could think of something less logical. Just say, I don't know, and more I, crazy shit. It's always funny. People are here to listen to the crazy nursing shit. We can... Yeah. Uh, we can, so let's say that's what I did it for. Let's say I did it because it's just more crazy. Yeah, you're you're doing it. You saw Grey's Anatomy. You said, that's what I want my life to be. Pretty much. Yeah. You saw that one episode where, if, for whatever reason, it was a musical. And you're like, that must be the ICU. Everyone's just singing. So I think the one thing that actually makes me feel a bit of a phony, I've never seen a single episode of Grey's Anatomy or ER in my life. So when I tell nurses that, I feel like it's a bit, I'm a bit of a black sheep in that sense. I feel like I'm going to be very canceled if I, that word gets out. But yeah, never seen a single episode of it. I just pretend to know about it. I hear that, nurses. We got a controversial one in our, <laughs> on our hasn't seen Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I can pretend to, though. Yeah, all you got to do is know, I don't know, what are the names? There's McDreamy, McSteamy. Something uh, like that, yeah. Sandra... Just Sandra say some o. shit about a closet, a work closet, and a, some sort of steamy romance. That's probably 90% of the show from what I've been told. Pretty much. And I'm, I, I've only watched a few episodes myself. And to be honest, I was like, how is this real? Because they were having a full-on conversation with each other while performing surgery. And they were just chatting about their relationship. I'm like, that's not great. <laughs> Yeah. Unless that actually happens. I don't know. I've never worked in the operating room, so I can't say, but I can guarantee you there's a lot of a lot of normal small talk water water cooler conversations that happen over cleaning up bodily fluids a lot of the time of various sorts. So that kind of stuff it you get desensitized to it very quickly. Yeah. That makes sense. I just find it a little weird. If I was getting cut up and then just found out that the surgeon was bickering with the nurse about their, where their relationship was, I was like, Jesus, you were doing heart surgery on me. I feel like I want it the other way. If my surgeon is just there so good at his job that he's able to think about it, his daily stresses, his, his relationship BS, then that's the person I want operating on. Yeah. The young new guy who's in there stressing, sweating, I don't want that guy operating on me. He's That's less confidence inspiring to me. You want the guy who's just... I he, want the guy who's just casual, laid yeah, back, if, if he's walks that, in Crocs and a cigarette. Yeah. You need a surgeon from the 50s. Oh, yeah. Let's ignore the cigarette part, but the Crocs, <laughs> everyone's got Crocs, though. So. Yeah. that's. I'm pretty sure that's the standard standard cert sort of shoe for nurses these days yeah get the closed toe though not the open toe lots of people are rocking the open toe that is wild to me that is gross yeah are you even allowed to do that yeah you're not supposed to no yeah. one's gonna stop you but you shouldn't be i it's feel it's not like work safe it's definitely not work safe yeah. to do that but yeah we can we can even dive into some of the uh, the grosser stuff that you you have to deal with i'm sure you went into this thinking you were saving lives but you probably end up just cleaning up a lot of piss and shit yeah, that's pretty much it. If I have a shift where I'm not cleaning up piss and shit, that's a that's a blessing. I think I'm thankful for those shifts where I don't have to be honest. Yeah, I'd like to think I'm still saving lives in the meantime. Anyways, I like to think that, but there is a lot of shit you're cleaning up for sure. Yeah, the, the saving lives happens throughout the entirety of it. You just <laughs> yeah. you just you don't go into it thinking about how much bodily fluids you're always gonna. No one starts their career in nursing or medicine being like, can't wait to clean up all this shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now if ever I figured if ever I have kids or something, I'm ready. I've had more than enough training. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. You're going to be the best parent for that. Kids are going to be nothing compared to what you have to do. Cleaning up human-sized stuff. Now, if you can do it on a kid, no problem. That's my plan for the future anyways. Yeah. And you can also, you can just shoot up your kids with vaccines and all that. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah, that's what nurses do when you get them eight doses of Pfizer in a row. Yeah, that's what that they cheat up. For all you anti-vaxxers, you're right. <laughs> that is what we do. <laughs> we force upon multiple vaccines at once, only until they get autism. Once they get it, then we're done. And yeah, then you say, "Oops, my bad." Ooh. Turns out nine doses is too much. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I'm only at four, four or five myself, actually. Yep. So I think that's I'm at, where I'm at. I think I'm at four. I'll just keep getting. I think people stop counting at this point. Yeah. 
I got my last one in November. Yeah, November, because I wanted to be fully, fully vaxxed up again for going to Japan. Okay. Yeah. They still care about the vaccines, like checking it at the borders there, or did they stop checking now? No, I'm assuming they're still checking. But when I was there in December, it was almost like getting transported back to 2021 when you could finally fly domestically again, but there was so many precautions. And I had to, yeah, go through this labyrinth of COVID checks and then proof that I had at least three doses, which I had four, which was fine. But I had to fill out all these forms and then basically had to declare that if I'm like near anyone who has COVID that I report it. And it was, a, it was quite the process, but I mean, that, for all I know, that could just be like a regular trip to Japan. Yeah, I wouldn't know either. I don't know. I'm probably the least Japanese person I've ever met, so I wouldn't be the one to know. Yeah, it was a great country. I'd highly recommend going to Japan. One of the coolest places I've been to. But uh, yeah, they were probably the strictest that I've seen. I haven't been to China, so China probably was also pretty strict. Yeah. But going from that to Australia, Australia just didn't give a fuck. They're like, they care about immigration, but they didn't care if you were vaccinated or anything. They're like, all right, yeah, get on. Yeah, yeah. I remember going into the States about maybe a year and a half ago. I had to do some paperwork in the States. So I drove over the border just south um, to the closest town to Vancouver, which is Bellingham. Going down there, there was no, it was great. No one was at the border, actually. I had zero wait time. But the guard, he's supposed to check all my, oh, are you vaccinated? Are you this and that? Where do you live? He just looked at my passport, said, I had a good day. Have a good day. And then when I came back, the Canadian guard was grilling my ass i'm like i live here i'm like i've taken your test taking the vaccines i live here but yeah they did not give a shit going into the states anyways so. yeah going into the states was easy i was doing a lot of travel to the states last year for work and by flight i still had to fill out some forms ahead of time but yeah once you got into the u.s they didn't care yeah no one cared i think it was shocking and i was just like oh all right. And then I actually got an alert on my phone that there was a COVID outbreak at the uh, the event that I was at. I was like, this is, I guess, what happens when I go to the south of the U.S. and, okay. and no one cares about COVID. You're like, yeah, it's a little too late now, that alert. Now that I've left the event and gone back to my hotel, that doesn't help me out too much. Oh, I but, was yeah. back I was back in Canada. Exactly. You're like, good to know. Thank you. Yeah, I guess, uh, I'll, I guess I'll get tested. And then, yeah. Actually... Did you ever, when you were at St. Paul's, did you, you were there for pretty much all of COVID, you said you started early Yeah, started, started just a bit before COVID and then been working there in some capacity until where we're at right now in 2023 summer. Yeah. Yeah. How has the shift been you've noticed since, since say early days of pandemic where no one really had any idea what was going on till when I guess it got a bit more politicized and people are like, maybe it's not even real. And people started taking out their anger and frustration on essential workers. I think in Vancouver, we were not completely, but for the most part, a little bit free of the crazy conspiracy theories because people here in Vancouver tend to be pretty pro-government, pro-healthcare, pro-all this stuff. That being said, there was a little bit of a couple back in two years ago, one year ago, when there was more shutdowns, there was a lot of fun little anti-vax parades that would go downtown. They did the whole Davy Street, which is the real busy street that goes past St. Paul's there. Davy and Burrard are both very central streets. So you'd have be on your break, looking out the window, be like, oh, something fun is happening outside. That's not allowed if we're on lockdown. And then you look and it's a big anti-vax parade. So that was a little interesting. But for the most part, I think people were pretty respectful. I think early 2020, people were so nice to me. It was the nicest people have ever been to me. It was crazy. But now back to, back to normal. People are still nice, but not going out of their way to to treat you special or anything like that. So, but I miss the free coffee at McDonald's, discounts at Lululemon, discounts from North Face, back when every company was trying to get in on the celebrated healthcare workers. That was nice. I missed that a lot. Yeah, we had, a, we had a discounts at Soprasoto for healthcare workers as well. I think they got... You did? I didn't even know that. How much were you giving discounts? 
think healthcare workers got 25% off off of their bill. I wish I knew that. Yeah. Ah, too late now. I'll just, I'll just tell them to back pay me prorated or whatever yeah, yeah, the word yeah. is. Yeah. All the different times that you came in during. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that time my parents came in a year ago? Yeah, you actually owe me 25% of that bill, cold hard cash yeah. right now. It's like, I, I'll pull up the receipt and I'll find it. <laughs> yeah, I'll find it. I did my part. I banged those pots and pans and <laughs> in the safety of my home. I was like, oh, 7 p.m. Better better show people that I'm a good person. Yeah, remember the uh, the drum performances that everyone would have at 7 p.m.? That was a fun time. Our and neighbors I... had these kids that would have pots and pans and whatever else. And then it turned, I think they had a vuvuzela, like from one of those trumpet things and whatever else it turned into a whole routine so that was a I, I don't even know what to make of that that was fun i miss it yeah it, actually that was a good time i mean we are also probably just cabin crazy at that time and, oh for sure yeah. and it was something and that, it was nice weather so get outside and bang a pot in a pan who's gonna stop you yeah and it was well, people actually got together in camaraderie but it, it did devolve as soon as we we were given freedom again and then taken away a bit of that that freedom yeah Suddenly, uh, people weren't banging pots and pans anymore. <laughs> they were honking their convoy truck horns and yeah, yeah, for sure. Saying that vaccines are the devil and all the fun things. I actually had a friend who went. He went from being like kind of hippie, left leaning or left wing. He used to write for both. I think the NDP and the Liberal Party. He was doing content writing and he was working for them, and then. There was just a period of silence and darkness from him. And then he just came out and then he just started posting all these rants about masks. And I was like, whoa, what the hell happened to you in these two months? And that's a funny one too, the mask thing. I'm like, of all the things to protest, like that's such a nothing thing to protest. I'm like, you could be angry about like conspiracy theories or whatever you want but i'm like the mask is not a big deal it's not even uncomfortable if anything when it's cold it's preferable to wear a mask yeah it keeps I, my face nice and warm I, I like the mask especially in the winter i like when i'm sick the mat in the winter time it's great also then i don't have to worry about coughing on things or on people yeah, or for sure, especially if you take that. I don't know if you take the bus a lot, but I don't trust the buses that much, so the mask nice in that sense, but... Yeah, I take SkyTrain sometimes. I try not to drive my car nearly as much now, so I yeah. have been taking public transit. Yeah. And uh, I was doing it for a bit, but now that the weather's gotten nice and hot, I have just take just don't wear my mask on transit. But I fully support anyone who does. Yeah, that's where most people are at, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. You don't need a... No one's going to be mad at you now that we're through the worst of it. No one's really going to be mad at you. Yeah. Vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, everyone's friends now. <laughs> yeah. I guess so, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we had a... Yeah, she's a friend of mine, but she's very much anti-vax. And it was one of those things where it was contentious at the time. But at the end of the day, like, we're... What looks like at the the tail end of the pandemic or at the very least it looks like it's no longer a global yeah. health emergency as of i want to say two weeks ago or something the world health organization updated their, uh, their what was thing that? No, that was actually i think it was over a month ago now was it yeah, yeah. april 26 i want to say maybe a little bit later i feel like i'm going insane that feels like last week to me may has gone by insanely yeah. fast i was like i when scheduling this with you, I schedule it for usually around the end of the month, and then I release it first Tuesday of the following month. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, I got loads of time. And I was like, oh, my God, no, it's today. Hey, I did the same. <laughs> I was like, oh, end of May? Yeah, we'll prep something nice. And then I look, I'm like, oh, shit, it's tomorrow. Yeah, it really, yeah, this month is, I think it's just because as soon as the nice weather gets out, like, you just want to be, it doesn't feel like anything's dragging at yep. that point. Yeah, I bought a, an Xbox right before the weather got nice. I've touched it maybe twice. I have been just like doing other stuff and then I was like, oh, I'm going to play so many video games and I got my new Xbox. Probably paid three hours total. Yeah, I, I got the new Zelda game for the Switch and oh God, it's so good. It's But I feel guilty playing it because it's so nice out. 
you're like playing this game where you're experiencing beautiful nature. You're like, wow, the bird sounds and the music is so peaceful. Then you look outside, you're like, I could do that just in real life. Yeah, you're like, but... the physics are so realistic in this game. And then you realize that real life has the most realistic physics of all. Yeah, oof, you just <laughs> you just got very philosophical with me there. <laughs> yeah. I've been avoiding all spoilers to that game, so. Yeah, it's... God, it's actually just insane how good it is but you're like i just i forced myself to set time limits because you could just play for hours on that kind of yeah, thing yeah for sure for yeah. sure actually leads into one of my one of my many questions that i'm looking over you work pretty crazy hours as a nurse from time to time in a sense yeah we get a good amount of time off but when you're on you're really on you're working a 12 hour shift either 7 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. or vice versa. You come on in the evening and you're off in the morning, 12-hour shifts. That's the standard for for the hospital environment. Yeah. What would you say do you typically do 40 hours a week, but then... It works out to be something like that. The standard, it varies depending like in different provinces, different countries, stuff like that. But here in Vancouver, the standard is that you'll do two 12-hour days followed by two 12-hour nights and then you'll have four or five days off in between so you could be working a 48-hour week you could be working a 36-hour a week but over the course of a year it works out to be a 40-hour work yeah. week yeah. so works out to be standard and not crazy. Close, close enough to standard and the longer the more years you put in the more vacation you get but i haven't been there enough years to get a real nice vacation yet yeah is, I mean, you get what, like three weeks or? Something like that, yeah. Something like that right now. I'm getting three weeks off in the fall. But then you get into the problem of when you choose your vacation, it goes by seniority. So if you want a July vacation, you're competing with all the 50-year-old moms who have been working for 30 years trying to get time off with their kids. So you're not getting that July vacation. Yeah. You'll get an October vacation, no problem. But July, you're not getting that. Hey, October yeah. is the best time to go to Vietnam. Is it? Okay, I'm looking at going to Mexico, actually. Actually, I think it's good good for Mexico as well. It, flights are real cheap right now because I think a lot of people are not going down there. But uh, yeah, I'm expecting the weather to be beautiful if and when I end up going there. Yeah, I think depending on where you go, it's going to be, I think, southern Mexico. It might be a bit more of the rainy season, but it's... Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, I would look into it. I just look into different areas because... Mexico is one of those places that I always forget how massive it is as a country. Yeah, until you look at a map, right? Yeah. And that's on um, that's on the standard projection of maps where the middle of the globe looks smaller. Then you look at it on like a more accurate projection and it's even bigger. It's a massive place. It's huge, yeah. I don't have the figures on me, but it's definitely one of the larger countries in the world. It's no Canada, but... That's just, I like these these things that are just facts. There's just like, it's a larger country. You can't disprove that. Like, you're 100% right. It's probably a larger country. Yeah. yeah. Try to disprove me, <laughs> audience. With this vague fact you're stating. Yeah. yeah I don't use any numbers, <laughs> yeah. any ranking. It's just larger. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Relatively larger, for sure. Yeah. Canada bigger. Mexico also big, but not as big. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Oh, I am getting so sidetracked. I don't know. <laughs> how much of this is going to be usable but okay. yeah it's fine I'll, I'll i'll probably keep some of this in. talking about mexico was actually i was going to go on to my point of just since you do have these four or five days off and then pretty good vacation in general just because it's a government job what do you like to do with those days off where you're to where you're not working 12 our days yeah i think um, because a lot of my a lot of my friends are not working in the hospital they're doing more traditional nine to five jobs i've become that friend that's just 2 p.m on a tuesday just yo what are you doing let's go do something fun right now and then obviously people are working but when i think i've been trying to get more into the kind of outdoorsy stuff i've been like yeah vancouver's got a lot of mountains a lot of whatever bike friendly stuff like that so i love riding my bike i'm Trying to get more into hiking this summer. Got a new like hiking hammock, some new shoes, stuff like that. I was talking earlier about like video games. So that's that's my winter thing. Just play a lot of video games, watch a lot of movies. But that's like when everyone's busy. I think, uh, yeah, anything that really just like that's relaxing to me is nice. So for me, that's running, biking, hiking, working out. It can be relaxing, can be stressful for sure. 
I know some people, a lot of people get into baking when they start this career because they realize, oh, I have four or five days off and none of my friends are off. What am I going to do? I'm going to make sourdough cultures. So I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I know a lot of people get into that. Oh, so yeah. basically nurses are just people at early pandemic stages all yeah, the time. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. They're a lot of, especially when you're newer at the job and you have a lot of free time that you're not used to because you're probably used to being in school all the time for the past however many years of your life. Then you're like, oh, too much free time. I better start getting a sourdough culture going. Yeah, I get it. Uh, that was a hell of a time yeah. making those sourdoughs. I did so much work during the early days of the pandemic when I thought it was just going to be like a month of lockdown. Is your sourdough culture still alive or has it died? No, mine's dead. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, I refrained from the bread for a little bit. I was like, I was conflicted though, because I was watching all of my friends do it on Instagram and TikTok. And I'm like, maybe I want to make bread too, but I don't want to just seem like I'm also making bread because everyone's doing it. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, to answer your question, I think I think my hobbies are pretty much the same as everyone else in the city. It's just that sometimes it works out that I can do it with my friends. Sometimes it works out that my friends are working. But very Vancouver hobbies, biking, running, hiking, once in a while, movies, video games, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I wish I had something more funny to tell you there about, about, about what my hobbies are. But... Oh, that's fine. You work. I'm assuming you work a pretty stressful job being in the ICU. It's, it can be. It, it varies yeah. day to day. Some days are stressful. Some days are easier, but it really varies. There's not, a, no two days are the same. I'll say it that way. Yeah. And yeah. I guess it's not as, maybe I can't talk directly to it, but I'm, a, I'm assuming it's not as stressful on a day to day basis as say like being an ER nurse would be where you're basic you're, or a trauma nurse where it's pretty life or death at all moments or it's people sticking shit up their ass yeah of course yeah. or falling off a bike or something but yeah, yeah no i think i can't fully speak to it because i've never worked er or trauma or whatever but that's the vibe i've got i don't know so much about stress but more so just chaos like from what i've heard is that the environment of an er can be a little chaotic for the workers there because you truly get everything like you said, someone having a heart attack, someone sticking something up their ass, someone doing whatever else you could imagine, they all end up in the same place. Whereas at least in the ICU, there's a bit of a uh, maybe barrier of people who I'm working with are suited to be in the intensive care. They're not just whatever shows up there, you know? Yeah, and I do, I do think... Uh... Uh, it's got its own issues as well, where in the ER, you can sort of be a bit more disconnected from your, your patients in a sense, whereas maybe with ICU, you develop a more personal relationship with some of the people because they're there longer periods of time. Yeah, for sure. And I'm still pretty new at this ICU job, so I can't speak with any authority, but I would say that's definitely true. Even just in your, your four-day work set, you're there. If you're there with the same patient, you've been together for four 12-hour shifts, that's 48 hours. So you get to know this person. Or if they're in like a, they maybe they can't talk or whatever, they're sedated, they have a breathing tube and a ventilator, then you oftentimes get to really know their families and stuff. And just by meeting someone as, oh, this is your sister, this is your cousin, like your friend, whatever, it really grounds you as, oh, this is like a, someone who's got a fully in-depth story just like me just like everyone else all my friends so in that sense once the more you get to know someone the more you're really rooting for them to do well so to speak and usually it goes that way but not always but you really hope they do well the more you get to know them for sure yeah and i think on the times with like with icu it is a bit more life and death than say I was going to say geriatric, but that's also pretty life and death. It's all very close to death. It depends. Yeah. It depends. You get people who are just there because they're too stubborn to go to their family doctor. And then, like you said, you get people who are there because they're actually very sick. But you get everything in between for sure. Yeah, but yeah no, it's it can be. It's life or death in the sense of that's for sure a part of it. But beyond that, it's not like... A, it's not a every day is life or death or every minute is life or death, but you do have those 
instances where it becomes that for sure. Yeah. Frequent instances, I would say. Yeah, it's just it's critical care, but it doesn't mean everyone everyone's just dying or pulling through. It's still got its happy stories or else Of course. Yeah. Eh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know how if it gets easier or anything for you or if you just get used to it. I think it's very person to person for yeah. sure. I think for me the more I the more experience I get, the more I feel like I'm able to say okay, if things go south, at least you did everything you could. And obviously it's on me to learn to be a bit more of a, I don't want to say an expert necessarily yet, but definitely like a bit more knowledgeable about everything that's on me. So know everything I can know. And then if things go south, well, I did everything I could. There's nothing you can do beyond that. And I think the more you work, the easier it is to get to that point. But some people have different views, right? Some people take things home with them more. Some people are more disconnected. But it's just a personality thing at that point that we're talking about. I would just have it as a blanket statement that everyone just gets over it or everyone just takes it home all the time. It's It would make sense that it's a very person-to-person and personality-based, what's a way to say this, like, a reaction. reaction. The reactions are very personality-based. Yeah. And even beyond that, I think it's very different when it's you could be doing the same thing every day and not really think too much, not really think emotionally too much about it. As But then if it happens to someone or someone you hear about it happening, then it hits much harder because it just has such a personal connection. Whereas if you see something bad happening to someone that you don't know too well, then it's a bit easier to disconnect and say, well, I'm here helping out. I'm doing what I can. Then if it's someone you're like, this is a bit more emotionally challenging for sure yeah so like you're three years into your career three right? four coming up on four now yeah four yeah, four. yeah coming up on four coming yeah. up on four okay so four years that's the length of pretty much a degree so yeah. you as a person went through quite the quite the experiences mm-hmm. as a starting nurse you started with a pandemic happening and then it was just something that no one had any we didn't have any books on it we didn't even know what to do our i think our advice was the same as that what was it, that movie with Lawrence fishburne in it that ever that was also about a pandemic Lawrence fishburne from the matrix yeah from the matrix yeah yeah oh that movie i know the one it was you... a movie about yeah. a pandemic and it was like it was a movie from Contagion. Contagion, yeah. Okay. This is a movie from like two thousand nine, and the exact the all we could do was say the exact same thing they said in the movie Contagion, which was stay isolate and six feet apart, wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. You. So where I'm going with this is you came in very fresh faced. Yeah. And there was already going to be gaps in your knowledge that you're going to have throughout your career until you continue progressing and learning more and more. But you came into this where no one knew mm-hmm. what they were doing because this was all incredibly new to all of them. Where, How do you think that affected your career and your career trajectory? Did it push you forward faster than you think you would have? Or did, you, did it adapt you to the role of nursing from young medical grad faster or was it was it a hard leap to go basically from just jumping into the deep end to you're in open water surrounded by sharks yeah i think i would say like it definitely helped in a sense force me into more of a being serious about being an adult in a sense because when i graduated school i was 20 223 something like that 23 years old i want to say moving forward and then within just a couple months of working you end up at this point where you're working with a covid pandemic and then everyone's telling you like oh you're doing a great job we're so thankful for you and then on top of that being put in these roles where some of my coworkers, for example like carries nursing students things like this that i'm working with are all we're all brought in an extra capacity to help us out and these people are oftentimes older than me so going from a 22 23 year old grad into working like a full-time career where i'm expected to almost take on a bit of a leadership role and 
people older than me are asking me what to do for advice and things like that. I think that was a bit very surprising at first, but definitely forced me into a place where I had to, one, take stuff serious and two, just realize that like I'm in a, I'm in a very like more a bit of a permanent role right now, a bit of a permanent career, so to speak. And that was definitely an adjustment period coming from university. But I think it's been good. It's definitely been good for me. I think it really helped me grow professionally and as a person to say that in the most interview way possible. But it yeah. definitely really helped me grow for sure and helped me gain confidence in a lot of ways. It's been a been an interesting time. I would say early 2020 was very interesting in that sense for sure. And now that we're here, I'm kind of like, oh, I've been through some crazy stuff already. So I know that if something else crazy comes up, I'm a bit more confident that I can handle it for sure. And then from going from general medicine to ICU, I'm sure that confidence carried over from changing over. Yeah, your... in some ways, yes, for sure. I think when you, even if it's not necessarily deserved, so to speak, if I tell people I'm an ICU nurse, I think that gets a bit more of a reaction, a positive reaction from people versus something like general medicine, where most people are kind of like, oh, I know what that is, but I don't. So many more people are, oh, okay, that must be like, I know what that is. That's cool that you do that, this and that. So just getting a much more direct reaction like that kind of bumps you up a bit. But at the same time, I think when you go into an environment where you're expected to know a lot and you're, you've been, I've been working in my previous role for three years or so. And now I'm going into a place where I'm expected to know a lot more. You realize how much there is to know that you still don't know that you can continue to work towards. So it's pros and cons, right? Like you get a bit more, I, w I guess I want to say respect, but you also realize for yourself, there's still a long way to go no matter what. Yeah, it also makes you realize how four years, even though when you're in your 20s, four years seems like an eternity. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and yeah. And then four years in a career is absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, Especially because when you hear people talking about like how long they've been working, and they're like, oh yeah, I started here 28 years ago, 35 years ago, you're like, oh, my four years is nothing. Yeah, I think my mom's been a doctor since she was... I'm assuming 20, like mid twenties. Okay. Uh, so yeah, like 40, 40 years of medicine and then doing, it's the same thing, but it's a different thing every day, but it's the same job for that long. And I think it's probably one of the only careers that I can think of is medicine that people who get into it definitely love it. And they, for the, they just stay. The pandemic sort of changed that a lot of people have retired early or hey, yeah, careers. Yeah. For sure. But the ones who stay, they stay. Yeah. And I think like even then, just when you talk to someone who's been in that career for a long time, if what people who know a lot will continue to say is that, oh, there's always more to learn. If you ever meet someone that's, oh, no, I know everything, then that's like when you want to be concerned. But far and wide, the people who know a lot are the people who say there's always more to learn. And that's something a bit exciting is that, oh, there's always more to learn no matter how long you work here. That's a a nice thing to know for sure. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where medicine's always evolving as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, it might be like even just thinking related to say cancers and the cancer research that's gone on from say the early 2000s to now, it's pretty astronomical, the changes that have done in the drug discovery and what we've done with these. And also the transition from, I guess, just what medicine was in the 2000s to now there's all the different technology involved with it and telehealth, e-health, yeah. all of that. So it's always going to, it's always going to adapt. Now AI is getting involved with medicine, which is, a, it's a question mark right now. I think, yeah, I think I, people aren't sure if they like it or not. I like it. I think it can be used as a tool. I do think that AI is getting a bit sensationalized in the media Yeah, as either the saving of all mankind or the doom of all mankind. Yeah. But I'm like, guys, like, it's, you probably would have said the same thing about a Google search in 19... About, about the printing press or something. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. 
like, it's a two, it can be good or bad depending on how you use it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think AI for medicine would be great as a tool, especially just to use it for say preventative care or predictive and just type in a chat GPT being like symptoms. Although chat GPT would probably just tell you it's cancer every time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because yeah. it's probably pulling from a WebMD, which WebMD also says and... cancer every time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you always, yeah. It's like I have a. It's like I think I have a cold. Like, sounds like you have cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'll start writing my will today. <laughs> yeah. I here I thought I just had a, a regular common virus, but no, it's definitely throat cancer. And then you use ChatGPT to find your your people to write your will for you. Yeah. Uh, it actually, comes full circle. Actually, something that's cool with ChatGPT, I was just fucking around with it the other day, and I got it to create an app for me that would find you to the nearest family doctor who's still accepting patients. Oh, okay. Yeah. How many are there? Not many. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the answer is very limited, but it did work surprisingly well. I was like, oh, wow, this is cool yeah i got it to just like, it, it, so it didn't make the it did make the app it made the most of the code for me and the rest of it i just looked up <laughs> yeah. we're also we're both vancouver boys which is yes sir so you and i are pretty accustomed to the downtown east side and areas like granville granville mm-hmm. street and your hospital happens to be right around all of that yeah, probably right at the forefront of that kind of like drug crisis, I would say, not just in the, definitely in the physical senses, in a lot of our patients are from the downtown east side or people who have drug addictions and whatever else, but also a lot of the new, I would say new policy, new research, things like that around how we're really treating drug use and how to treat it. A lot of that comes out of St. Paul's Hospital directly as well. So it's fun in that sense to be at, I shouldn't use the word fun, but it's interesting to be at a place that is very, very open to trying new ideas for what is effectively a new epidemic, I would say. Oh, I wasn't going to ask about that. I was just going to see if you've done DMT. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. No, not yet. Not yet. I haven't been on enough podcasts. That's the problem. Yeah, you got to get on more podcasts. And I haven't seen God on DMT yet, but ask me some other time. Yeah, that's that's all we're about. It's all, I'm just baiting you into questions. (laughs) So, have you done DMT? Yeah, what do you think about a hairless chimp? Yeah. But seriously, yeah, your hospital is right at the center and you're getting the bulk of the addictions, at least not maybe not the whole lower mainland, but in Vancouver, that's where the bulk of people and overdoses are going. Yeah, and I think a lot of people in the lower mainland with these addiction issues are coming from other parts of the country too, just because I don't have any numbers to back this up, so take it with a grain of salt. But it seems to me like a lot of people where they're from doesn't have support or maybe the weather is too harsh for their lifestyle or whatever. So then they'll come to Vancouver seeking this support. So I think Vancouver is a bit disproportionate in how much of that we are directly witness to versus other cities in the country. That's the vibe I've gotten anyways. Yeah, I've listened to some people who work on the opioid crisis and work with the downtown east side and they do say that a lot of these people are coming from different provinces or, and they're coming because they don't have resources. Exactly. Or, or it's fucking cold in the rest of Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's negative 30 or something. Yeah, yeah, this is like the only place where you can theoretically survive. And then it gets into a pretty heated issue if you ever go on Reddit Vancouver. Uh, uh, just don't go on Reddit. <laughs> That's your first problem there. Or go on Reddit, go on Reddit, but don't take any comments with value. No. Yeah, Reddit's, uh, Reddit's an, I mean, I like Reddit, but the, yeah, the topic of the downtown east side gets brought up a lot on the Vancouver Reddit, and it's one of those things where you, I, I, I actually, I commented at one point, because I was like, reading through, I was reading through the comments, and I was like, Jesus, it sounds like you guys just want to cull all the homeless people and then just be done with it i think the because i do the same as you all like scroll and then once in a while read a couple comments i think the reddit vancouver and the reddit canada are a bit more of an extremist view and when i say a bit like really generally tend to be a lot more extremist views than you would get in the real world so i'm like 
it's nice to see people's opinions, but it's at the end of the day, it's online people. It's the you want the opinions of people that are a bit more present in real life versus online. Yeah. But it's nice to see everyone's opinion. It is. Yeah, the Canada Reddit page is just like a it's just turned into a very like it's gone pretty alt right over the uh, last... yeah a little bit for sure it, yeah. it got it, like parts of it got very hijacked i'm pretty sure it's just a shill for the national post at this point i think everything i've scrolled through on the canada one is just national post or fuck trudeau which i feel like if you're the type of person to be mad enough at the current state of things that you're just gonna go online you're gonna end up at Reddit. It's just where people end up to post angry opinions, I think. Yeah. Reddit, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. Not but my rule is not... you just don't read the comment sections and then you'll be fine. If you yeah. read comments, you get angry. If you don't, you're fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, Instagram's totally fine if you don't read comments. Exactly. Uh, although. It's... But that's where they're hiding some of the best jokes uh, is in the comments. In the comments? Yeah. So you got to scroll through the layers of shit to get to the gold. Yeah, that's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous territory. It's a dangerous game, yeah. Anytime any sort of heated conversation about anything and everything is now a heated conversation no matter of course, what, yeah. no matter what you're talking about. The opioid crisis is one of the more pressing issues within Canada. Yes. And it is yeah, it's one of those things that's it's tough to deal with even just as like Someone who just walks along the street, like, there's the part of me that feels bad for these people, and then there's the part of me that, like, I don't know, it's a darker version of myself thinking, like, negative things, like, oh, why can't we just fix this, And instead of, like, actually seeing these people as people, yeah. and you'll, you likely have to see some of them in the ICU, or when you were doing general medicine, even, seeing them treating with addiction. Yeah, I would say like very overrepresented, so to speak. A lot of people that end up in the hospital are from the downtown east side for sure. We get a lot of, oh, overdoses. Someone was found down with fentanyl paraphernalia near them, stuff like that. That I think from what I've heard, people who work in other cities see that very rarely. But again, don't. This is all just from what I've heard. It's all hearsay. But yeah, so I think you see a lot more of that in Vancouver and especially in downtown Vancouver. So Everyone who works at St. Paul's is going to have an opinion on that. What their opinion is varies, but everyone's going to have an opinion for sure. Yeah. If it's overwhelmingly what you're seeing, or at least... It's just the, yeah, it's very front and center for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I live not too far from St. Paul's. So like when I'm outside of there, even I see there's now, well, after our mayor decided to just tear down all the camps... But now you're just seeing them. You're, I'm pop up side outside of uh, St. Paul's. I'm seeing tents and yeah, everything around there now. Yeah, and I, then if something happens in front of St. Paul's Hospital, and then you tell the security about it there, off sometimes they'll they're actually like, oh, it's a it's because it's not on our grounds. We don't deal with this, so you have to call the city about it. So even though it's in front of the hospital, it becomes a city, a VPD, a fire department issue, stuff like that. So there's like really weird stuff like that sometimes too, but that's more just a bit of political bureaucracy. That's, just, that's, that's all bureaucracy. That's, yeah. And you're going to have that in any city, but it's a bit strange to see it sometimes. Yeah. As it um, just being so front and center on the whole crisis does it either weigh on you or get easier or do you get just a bit more numb to it i think it does weigh on you at least for me it weighs on me just because it's one of the i would say it's one of the very few areas in healthcare that we are losing the battle against despite the province the city the country trying all these new strategies the overdose deaths are going up and the drugs are getting worse and worse. So no matter what we try so far anyways, nothing seemed to work. So I think that can weigh on you and just be like, where is it going to go from here? And no one has the answer, but definitely in that sense. No, and no one with the powers that be like really want to try and find answers because then it gets them involved. Like right now... It, I, it has gone to the BC level, but for the longest time, it was very much just the provincial governments and federal government just wanted to completely wash their hands of the issue and just leave it to the 
leave yeah. it to the city, which the city didn't have the resources. And even, even now, it's more of a political issue and less of a health issue, which in some ways makes sense, but in some ways doesn't make any sense at all. So you get that aspect of things too, where it's like you should be treating this as a health crisis, not as like a political crisis. Yeah, but at the end of the day, politics doesn't yeah, really... Yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> Politics doesn't land on what should be the answer. They land on what gets you elected. Exactly. What sounds nice on paper. Yeah. If if the liberal government went out and just put a bunch of funding into working with the opioid crisis and with the downtown east side in Vancouver, you're going to get someone in Whitby, Ontario being like, why the fuck are those like rich folks in Vancouver getting all of this yeah. money exactly. to deal with their problems? And exactly. the liberal government's paying for it, and then that lose them votes. You're fighting a losing battle, no matter what you do when you're in that position, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe some eccentric, nice billionaire will pump some money into it. Yeah, some Jim Patterson type thing, yeah. Yeah. Or, hey, Chip Wilson, if you want to boost your image. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what these people need? Some Lululemon? Sweet, sweet Lululemon clothes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, see more yoga pants around the city, right? Why not? Yeah, get a... Some ABC pants. I've heard they're real comfy. ABC pants, they are comfy. I don't own a pair, but pretty great. <laughs> I've definitely borrowed a friend's pair, and I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, like I see where I get it now. I see where Chip Wilson is coming from. Yeah, but yeah, Chip, if you, uh, you want to... You know what? If Chip Wilson solves the opioid crisis, he can have the street that he lives on completely blocked to any traffic. No more bikers, even. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just for Chip Wilson and his rich friend's cars. I think that's fair. I'll, I'll agree with you on that one, yeah. sure. You solve the opioid crisis, we'll... You know what? We'll give you a... We'll give you a helipad. Yeah. You get, <laughs> he can you get, just convert the street into a runway for some private plane or something like that. Yeah. And if Jim Patterson, if you... Solve the opioid crisis. I don't know. I'll shop at Save On more. Yeah. <laughs> I'll support Toyota. Yeah, exactly. Buy yeah. more billboards. Yeah. I'll, I will buy billboards. Yeah. I'm all for it. But yeah, we're, I don't think either of us are going to solve the opioid crisis, unfortunately. I think it's going to be something that's something we deal with probably maybe even up until our 50s. Uh, yeah. longer it's one of those things that it's I, it's become a bit more of a hot button issue over the last few years i think it's just because it's more noticeable now and it also doesn't help that you have two years or three years of a pandemic tons of people losing jobs and now being without money maybe turning to drugs and especially you notice it in vancouver which is I don't know, like one of the most expensive cities in Canada combined with one of the poorest zip codes in Canada, like you get that huge disparity. So super, super obvious if you go to downtown Vancouver for sure. Yeah, it's like I grew up in the west side. So I grew up in Kits. So like I basically could lived most of my life without ever seeing the downtown east side until a bit later in life. Yeah. I remember driving through it the first time because, like, I had heard about it. And then I remember driving through it the first time and I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. we should do something about this. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, nah. <laughs> Let's yeah. just, if we build enough condos, then maybe it can push them out. You're like, oh, if it gets real bad, I'm going to have to intervene. You're like, what are you going to do? I don't know. I'll <laughs> intervene. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'll do something. Yeah. And then, yeah. No, the city decided they just need more high-rises. They're yeah. like, it's, if we put enough mirrored high-rises throughout the city, maybe <laughs> yeah. we'll confuse the homeless people. Yeah. <laughs> or, like but, a, yeah, I don't even know, yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, It's noticeable now, but it's something that I guess maybe up until relatively recently, it was just, we were trying to sweep it under the rug and leave it to the one street and be like, just don't go on that street. And then our city is mm -hmm. so pristine and great. But now that maybe it's become more of an issue because it's expanded outside of just a single street on the east side. Well, it's a global thing too. Yeah. I think overdose deaths are rising everywhere in the world. Whether or not the countries or the cities admit it, it's going up everywhere from what I can tell. Yeah, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all your drugs now are just going to be 
much more toxic. Much yeah. more toxic. Yeah, I would not recommend to anyone right now to get into things like coke or any sort of heroin. Would you recommend that normally, though? Just recommend heroin? No. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, try everything once. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Maybe don't try everything. Try a couple things once. Don't try everything once. Yeah. If you make it to like 95, sure. I think that's that, that was always my idea. If I make it to like my 80s, I'm like, fuck it, I'll try heroin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do I got to lose at this point? Yeah. I was like, if I die, I'm 90. Yeah. If I live, Great, I got to figure out what heroin is. Also, like, who becomes an addict in their 90s? Also, I was saying, if I ever had, like, kids or, like, grandkids, they're like, oh, how'd Grandpa die? He was like, Jesus, heroin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, he just did it for fun at a party. Yeah. Some 90-year-old swingers party. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Grandpa would go to raves. <laughs> yeah. He, he was on too many uppers that day, so he took took some heroin to, yeah, to mellow to numb it out, yeah. Yeah. Counterbalance. But no, it's... Right now, yeah, it's... That guy who set up the drug store, it was called, the Drugs on Wheels. Oh, yeah. He's someone who's attempting to combat this. So he, bold man, he purposely got himself arrested for quite a massive stunt, which was he was going to sell all drugs in this, it's this RV, this spray-painted Walter White-type RV, and he was selling... All drugs. It was very explicit about when he was going to start and where he was going to be, making it very easy to catch him. But he did the whole thing with the intent of getting arrested mm -hmm. so that he can build up a case with the Supreme Court on on drug reform. So what's his case supposed to... What's he trying to fight for? Basically, he's fighting that it's... What he is doing is... He's, he was offering very clean drugs. Everything yeah. is tested. And I was going to say healthy, but everything was tested and clean, was clean, so speak, clean yeah. supply. And so he, his whole goal is to go to Supreme Court and build a case on what he's doing is actually more of a humanitarian issue. And he's doing this to save lives, whereas the current legislation is and punishment is killing people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I uh, actually hadn't heard of that until now. Oh, really? I'm yeah. I'm learning this for the first time. But no, yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting yeah. stuff. At first, people are like, oh, this guy's this guy's going to get caught. And I was like, I think that might be the point. Yeah, you're like, uh, yeah, probably. I was like, no, like, no one can be that dumb that they're... No one they're... advertises selling drugs not expecting to get caught. Yeah. To that extent. To that anyways. extent. Yeah. You're, you're like, I have this giant RV that will be yeah. located at this location. Also, here's new. He was in multiple news stories, and then he was on Daily Hive, and I'm assuming paid advertisement. And then it turned out that his brother, who was also a Vancouver guy, died of a of an overdose mm, from toxic okay. drugs. Yeah. So he was. I think he might have just been like, "Fuck it, I got nothing to lose. I just lost. I lost my brother to this. I'm gonna. Current legislation's not doing it for me, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to the top." Yeah, you got to respect it, right? Fighting that hard for something. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I could commit to no. going. I'm not, I don't want to send myself to prison. I can't do that. Yeah, it's one thing for getting jailed for like the weekend for going to a protest. But like this took a lot of planning yeah. just to go to jail to then go to the Supreme Court, which, yeah, yeah. who knows? This guy might be the hero that us Vancouver boys have been looking for. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But yeah, we can we can end this on a bit more of a lighter note okay, rather sure. than toxic drugs. And yeah, <laughs> an overdose. And an yeah. overdose. Which is necessary to talk about, but not fun to talk about for yeah, sure. Yeah, if you're uh, if we're in Vancouver, it's just... You got it. It's going to come up no matter what. So on a lighter note, let's talk a bit more about what makes your job rewarding rather than all the the tougher issues we, we've been talking about. Yeah. For sure. I mean, there's like a couple things that the, I would say when stuff goes well, it's really nice to see for sure. Especially when you're working with like a sicker patient and you get to know, like I was saying earlier, you get to know their family, get to know their friends, stuff like that. So when they, hopefully you hope people get better, but they don't always. So when they do get better, then you get a lot of gratitude. A lot of people saying, oh, thank you. And like once in a while, our kind of manager will send us, forward us emails or 
cards that came from patients saying how happy they were of like their treatment at St. Paul's. And it's kind of, it's very nice to see that because it's very encouraging to be like, we must be doing something right if people are writing in and going out of their way to thank us or sometimes people like to buy us coffee or cookies or whatever. So that's really makes you feel appreciated. I would say like on the flip side, and this is a bit of a weird one because it might come across as dark, but I don't intend it that way. There are people who are at the end of their life and then you can help them have a very nice death to go on, go out in ways that they want, surrounded by friends, surrounded by family, or if that's not what they want, then however they want. And when it works out that way, just to see people go out on their own terms can also be a very liberating thing. Because, yeah, like I said, like it sounds really dark, but I'm like, everyone's going to die one day. You want to be confident that it's going to be nice when it happens. So I would say on those two sides, like people get better and they're happy about it or they don't. And you hope they're happy about it still. Other stuff I can say, I think like I've made some great friends at work, just not even like talking about patients, just talking about the work environment. I made some great friends People have, a lot of people I work with have just a great attitude, really fun about stuff, despite work not always being the most fun. There's a lot of people who continue to make it really fun for sure. And I think I'm just someone who likes to be doing stuff. I don't like to sit around and be, I wouldn't want a job where I'm sitting around a lot. So to be respected for a job where I get to do what I want, which is working with my hands, talking to people, meeting new people, occasionally running around, but always active. That's a really nice aspect of it too, for sure. So you got any wild things that you've seen in either the ICU or in general uh, medicine? It's hard because I don't want to. It is the whole issue of confidentiality or if I have a crazy story and then I'm too specific about it, I don't want someone to get pinpointed down. I can say it was crazy one time where they were doing a x-ray on someone because they had a bunch of stomach inflammation and then they were trying to figure out oh maybe it's appendicitis maybe it's some sort of infection whatever else and then the doctor comes out and he says look at this and he has a photo of the x-ray and it's a sewing needle just in the stomach so i have no idea how the hell that got there swallow a sewing needle i don't know but i think about that a lot and i still wonder how that got there but never found out the answer yeah, you can say one thing about humans is that we are resourceful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think that was like what you were saying earlier about the ER with all this stuff up people's butt. I don't even think it was one of those. It wasn't the it wasn't the sex thing, I don't think, unless there's something I'm missing about sewing needles, but we don't uh, I don't want to know. If I'm missing something, I don't think I want to. Something know. involves swallowing a sewing needle, then no, that one can't be. Like there's a small possibility that it was placed in some food that they were eating. Ah, uh, you know what? That kind of is probably true, which makes me like the story less. Yeah, just imagine the will and perseverance to to actively swallow a sewing needle. They're like, yeah, this roast is shit. It's really hurting, but I paid 20 bucks for it. They're, just, yeah. they're going hard at it, yeah. Yeah, they're like, ooh, this, really, this bread really cuts you. <laughs> yeah. like that's how you know it's good it burns yeah Ooh, that is some sharp baguette yeah 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 but yeah none of the you got none of the wild stories about mostly i think people want to hear about weird butt stuff but yeah in, that's more of that's, an er thing that which is, is that like is an ER so if thing. ever you can get a you can get an er nurse on this podcast okay, i'll say a teaser trailer i'm saying like just wait for the weird butt stuff when they come on i don't have i don't have enough weird butt stuff to tell you Wish no. I did. Uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. This is this is highbrow comedy over here. <laughs> yeah. We don't just, a bunch of working yeah. adults just talking about butt stuff. Yeah, this is all highbrow conversation with healthcare professionals, <laughs> yeah. healthcare professionals, and having a nice cocktail and butt stuff. I was going to say my three favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great Friday night right there. Yeah, there we go. Hanging out with healthcare professionals and doing butt stuff. <laughs> that is a closing note that I didn't expect to go on, but yeah, why don't we wrap up there? Sure. Yeah. Oh, am I going to edit that out? Nah, that's going to stay. That's Keep gonna... it in, right? Add something nice for the TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Something to get the clicks. Something to get yeah. the clicks. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll just you can put the thumbnail. Just they talked about what in the studio? Question mark? Question mark? Yeah. yeah. No, I think there will be. I tried to stay away from too much medical politics for you. Yeah, but we definitely we definitely everything we talk about in medicine or in life is going to have a polarizing polarizing views from the audience you, can, you can't you can't have an opinion without having someone disagree with you exactly i'm yeah. aware of that yeah yeah but i think we we played it pretty safe i said i was friends with anti-vaxxers internet yeah i'm good too yeah Play both <laughs> sides for sure yeah yeah let's talk about that stuff i that's i'm one of those people we're those people who can be friends with people on the other side of the spectrum yeah yeah, of course, I'm talking about the autism spectrum from all the vaccines we give them. There you <laughs> go. Bring it full circle. Bring it I like full it. circle. I'm into it. Yeah. All right, everyone. On that wonderful note, thanks for listening to this episode of Doctors Without Bar Tabs. If you liked what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you shared this episode with your friends, family, social media, just whoever. Just do me a solid. I do this, I do this for you. Help me out. Sponsor me. Give me money. Do you want to be a guest on the show? Do you want to get involved? Looking to see more of what's in the future? And maybe you hated it and you just think that I'm garbage with trash opinions. You can come on the show and prove me or Nathan's opinions wrong. It's an open platform. Yeah, yes, thank you. Thank you, Ali. I agree. Open platform. Tell me, tell us that the opinions that we said today are trash and that we're maybe we're garbage people. Or it's the internet. But... Whatever it is, please do check out newdoc.me to connect with us. That's n-u-d-o-c dot m-e. The link will be in the bio. If you are looking to make yourself a nice tasty cocktail, do check out Odd Society Spirits to pick up something amazing. They are locally distilled in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm not sponsored by them, but I do generally like their product. Thank you for joining and have a great day. And thank you for hosting. Yes, and thank you, Ale, for joining on the show. Absolutely. Had a great time. Great studio here in East Van, and glad we could make it work out. All right. Peace.